This is the way. This is the way. Hello there. So say we all. May the force be with you. You're a wizard, Harry. I am Iron Man. What about second breakfast? Assemble. You're here because you know something. Whoa, this is heavy. I volunteer as tribute. I'm Batman. You have chosen wisely. The North remembers. Go infinity and beyond. The force will be with you. Welcome to the Nerdverse Nerds! Today, this corner of the Nerdverse is for all you Star Wars and MCU nerds out there. I'm Joanna, the Celestial Spectacle Krupnik. And I'm Brian, you're right, I'm not tired at all, Plofsky. And we're so happy you could save Ted to be with us today. Teddy. Because today in the Nerdverse, we are getting our seats for the Eye and the Bloodstone giving you our immediate reactions to episode six of Andor and our instant thoughts to Werewolf by Night on Disney+. Plus. Some housekeeping, be sure to head to the feed and check out all of our past episodes. There are so many. We've been covering every episode of She-Hulk and Andor so far, as well as House of the Dragon and The Rings of Power, and they can all be found on our feed. You might be thinking, how can you keep up with all this? Because we sure can't, but it's easy. Just be sure you're subscribed to the Nerdverse with Joanna and Brian on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow along on the socials like Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the Nerdverse Pod. But first, as we start all of our episodes, this is your spoiler alert alert. I repeat, this is your spoiler alert alert. We are going to spoil quite a bit, potentially Rogue One, some Star Wars stuff, obviously this episode of Andor, um, obviously Werewolf by Night, um, some MCU stuff, and maybe some of the old Universal Monster movies. So, spoiler alert for movies from the 30s. Um, but now, let's enter Nerdverse Customs. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm going to see the world. Let me see your identification. This week, we're headed into the Star Wars and MCU sectors of the Nerdverse. All right, Joanna, hand over your MCU passport. You've got eight stamps. Uh, what, wait, I can't make these out. What are these stamps? Um, those are face tattoos. Uh, face tattoos. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have nine. Can you make out what they say? No, I can't. It looks round. Oh, but yes. But it could be square. No, no. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's nine amulets. Oh, halfway in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and here's my Star Wars passport. Excellent. Oh, seven stamps of wait, I can't. What's what are these seven stamps? Um, they are seven, um, seven, um, boxes at the Senate that move. <laughs> okay, excellent. <laughs> um, I have nine. Um, and my nine are uh, I have nine four-armed uh, Maz Katana-like doctors. Oh my god incredible but also can you tell that we think of these on the spot um (laughs) oh wow dear diary what a week that's an office quote what a week what a week yeah you were at comic-con yeah so the reason we're getting to some of these so late like werewolf by night is because i was at new york comic-con this weekend um 
And, uh, you know, so much came out, Werewolf by Night, and then horror stuff like the new Hellraiser movie, The Midnight, Ma- Ma- uh, Flanagan's new show, The Midnight Club. And then you also had, like, Mr. Harrington's phone um, and so many other things. I'm um, just, like, significant other. There's just, like, so much, and I'm so behind. But um, it, we had a blast. We always love walking the floor. We love seeing all the costumes um, and cosplay. Um uh, we went to what some was panels. the what was the character or yeah the character or like thing that you saw cosplayed the most and you're like oh like like what like I think last year or some or two years ago you were like this is the lo-, like just so many Lokis what yeah, was so it this year where you're like you, oh can, god they're all here you want can you guess do you think you know what it is um. So there are ones you see all while you think. There are ones you see every year. There are always, since starting last year, there are tons of Lokis. There are always tons of Deadpools. Like, and all the Deadpools, because those ones you can have variations on, whether you're a Loki variant or, you know, you're like Bob Ross Deadpool or like Motorcycle Gang Deadpool or whatever it is. Um, But this year there was one that easily, easily was more than anything else. Was it Madison and Wonger's? No, it was not. Oh, I didn't okay. see any of those. No. Um, oh, okay. But there was one that, uh, like, so every year Jamie and I decide what the most thing we've seen so far is and we count them. So I think this year we got to like 60 or 70 of them that we saw. I mean, Doctor Strange is like too obvious. I'm sure you see those every year. Yeah, but that's too um, elaborate. Think of something that's like not, that you don't have to like work a hundred crazy hard on. Like, is it like Jennifer Walters already? No, no. I did no? see one or two uh, She-Hulks for sure. Not Kamala or something? I don't know. What was it? Uh, it was Eddie in the Hellfire t-shirt from Stranger Things. Oh, I forgot Stranger Things, of course, especially given we're in October. Yeah. And, oh, that's great. But we, um, uh, what we did was we made sure that we were, we only counted Hellfire t-shirts. Um, because Hellfire, the Hellfire Club t-shirt was like the number one thing people were wearing, no question. That's so great. I support that 100%. Yeah. Stranger Things is a great thing to binge this time of year. It's very Halloween-y. I mean, I, you know, the second two seasons are summer, but the first two seasons, like, are great to have on during this month. Yeah. I like to have something that, like, Halloween-y on every single day as much as possible or that, or that romanticizes fall. And yeah, Stranger Things season one and two really do that. Yeah, it's still spooky dooky stuff. Yeah. Um, and and but we had a great time. I bought a lot of Funko Pops. I bought a lot of pins. I bought a lot of posters. All that fun stuff. Um, I have to just go through all. That. I had to buy a new pin shadow box because I have too much, and I probably uh, need to sell some. I started selling some pops, Funko Pops, on eBay just to like clear some space and stuff like that. So hopefully, you know, if you're looking for Funko Pops, check it yeah, out. Yeah, what's your handle on eBay or your shop? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, it's like it's probably BS- a nutty professor. No, no, it's like BSP S S W C C C G or something like that. I well, forget. DM DM us at Nerdverse. <laughs> yeah, find Ryan's because that's not helpful. Okay, that's great. Yeah, but the the three. So I got the um, two exclusives: the Polly Pigeon and the Pizza Rat. Uh, New York Comic Con exclusive Funkos. I got oh. the um, treasure skeleton um, from that you can only exclusively get in Disney parks, but someone had it there, so I bought that. 
and then um, like for Pirates of the Caribbean. And then I bought an Ash from the 40-year anniversary of Evil Dead, um, and it was a chase. So I got a couple of those. That was super- awesome. So very, ho- very um, Halloween-centric. Yes, yes. But um, we had a great time. We So we went to a panel for Wendell and Wilde, the new um, stop-motion animation movie by Henry Selleck and oh, uh, yes. Jordan Peele. Um, and Henry Selleck, the director who also directed The Nightmare Before Christmas as well as Coraline, was there and he spoke about the movie. We saw some clips in the trailer. Um, that was awesome. I'm very excited for that at the end of this month. And uh, and then we went to um, Harvey Guillen uh, speak about what we do in the shadows. Uh, he plays Guillermo on what we do in the shadows. Um, uh, we had a wonder. He was, it was, that was super fun. So we had a great time. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas, you all, and Coraline, I always think is Tim Burton, but it's not, right? I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas is like from the mind of Tim Burton, but Henry Selleck right. directed it. Right. I always forget that. I just think yeah. it's Tim Burton, period. But Burton did direct The Corpse Bride. Ah, yes, which I've sure. also seen. Yes, I've been watching some spooky things as well. Yeah. Um, Just always trying to have things on. I think I'm in this phase because I don't like scary movies, but I'm, but as you might be like, you're crazy because I'm getting texts from you every day being like, I'm watching this scary movie. I think I'm at a place where I can, but it will go away. So in okay. high school, forget it because my parents aren't going to defend me if someone like comes into our house. I don't trust them at all. They're like mm-hmm. twerps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do too many things alone and I live in a house in a neighborhood. So high school, not happening. Uh, college, forget about it because how many murders are at college in movies? Mm-hmm. You're like, there's no one's there to protect me. My roommate's not going to protect me. Mm-hmm. So absolutely not. And then we just move off campus and it gets scarier and scarier. Did you have a and roommate freshman year? I did. And she wasn't going to help. Absolutely not. I mean, you I probably just... could have that year because I was on the 13th floor. So like no one's going to like, there are many places to stop on the way. I mean, Joanna, you were on the 13th floor. You I shouldn't know. have been watching horror movies. I think it was the 13th, whatever the top one was. And then, and I was also sleeping alone, of course, all these years because I wasn't with anyone. So then I get to Apartment Life, New York City. Can't watch them because I'm just living with Jonathan, again, sleeping alone, alone in an apartment, maybe the second floor. But now I have a husband, a partner, who mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. who can who is here. Also, I'm in an apartment building. And it's like I have permanent like protection. Not that he not that he'd wake up. I'd probably be the one to wake up. And he like doesn't like the fact that I've now put this pressure on him. But like it's just it helps to know that I'm not alone sure. in the house. But once we live in a house, I probably can't watch them anymore. Interesting. Because it'll just be me and him. And I'm like, what are, what are you going to do? I'm going to go downstairs with a baseball bat. Like, it's just too spooky. Yeah. So I'm just embracing this time in an apartment with someone living with me in a very small space mm-hmm. that I can manage and, and not get scared. You should probably You should probably watch all of the, like, home invasion movies now. So that, like, you don't have to watch them when you're living in a house. Like, I've seen The Strangers when mm-hmm. I was on tour. Okay. So that will never happen again. Uh, absolutely not. But, yeah, I think that's – I watched Cabin in the Woods. But, yeah, I think – and then Halloween mm-hmm. is definitely a home invasion of, of sorts. But, yeah, I think you give me your list for those because this is the time. So I've got, Maybe, thre- I've got three home invasion movies for you that are, that are excellent. Okay. The first one is Hush. Oh, is that uh, a comic? 
yes, it is, but it's not Batman Hush. This is Mike oh. Flanagan directed Hush, starring Kate Siegel, his wife, who's incredible in the movie. Um, okay. And John, uh, John Gallagher Jr. is in it as well. Um, oh. It's a great, great um, home invasion movie. You've seen Strangers. I would also suggest Your Next. Oh, God. These sounds so scary. Your Next All is right. a little comedy. And then if you haven't, I think you'll really love it, uh, Ready or Not. Oh, Lord. Okay. Ready or Not's not as home invasion-y, um, but it's more horror comedy. Um, Ready or Not is a spectacular movie. Okay. I'll put a star by it. Um, I watched, um, because the AMC runs their spooky movies, I mm. was watching Trick or Treat, which my friend was in from The Hangar, so that was why I kept it on. Wait, it actually wasn't bad. Who? The lead, Tree, her name is Jess Roth, J- Jessica Rothenberg. I think she's Jess Roth with an E is her like actor name. But she went to BU. She was in the lab company. She did hair with me. So we got naked together, like all of us. It was I, like we were super all close. Wait, but yeah, she's she? like an actress now. She, she's the lead girl, like the girl that keeps waking up and it's the same day. Oh, y- what? Are you thinking of a different movie? This is Trick R Treat. Yeah, with Sam. Sam. Oh, no, no. Wait. Happy Death Day? Yeah, you saw Happy Death Day. Yes. Sorry. Happy Death Day. I did Day. also watch Trick or Treat with Anna Paquin, right? So Trick or Treat and Happy Death Day are two of my favorites. That's a definite comic, Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat that is was, like, so much fun. That was done like a comic. Yeah, and, and well, Brian yes, Cox yes. is in it. Brian yeah, yeah. Cox I watched is that in too. it. It was back to back, so I, I got confused. But Happy Death Day has my friend in it. That <laughs> but makes I did sense. not know. And I Wait, was like, so you, is she an actor? Your yeah. friend is the lead in Happy Death Day? Yes. Yes. Wait, I mean, I, 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 I've lost touch with her, but I, I did DM her and I was like, is this you? Uh, yeah. So I did she uh, answer you back? Not yet. Um, I commented actually, because I don't think she'll see my DM because she doesn't follow me. But no, no, we were quite close. I mean, we were at the hangar all summer and. With Jonathan, like all of us, Celeste. Celeste knows her too. So, oh, that's so funny. I love that movie. You should watch the sequel. Really? Yeah. All right. I'll put that down. Um, yes. And then Trick or Treat, which is definitely a comic. That one was wild. A wild time. I love time. that movie. Um, great cast. I watched that as well. Uh, Happy Death Day too. Okay, I'm writing these down. So, yeah. But I watched all three Conjuring movies. Um, per, per your request, you told me I don't need to watch the third one, but... I needed something to distract me from the Mets. So, um, yeah, the third one goes a little off the rails. I feel yeah. like it just, it leaves, it leaves the, the confines of its normal like story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets a little crazy, but of course, Patrick Wilson and via for I'm just like, I'll just sign up for any of oh, it. They're amazing. I mean, they make it worth it for they sure. They make it work. And it's so funny. And like, I know they're buds now and, but I'm just like, you keep agreeing to do these. Like they're so wild. Um, the first one's definitely the best. The second one's really good too. But um, I have not watched Annabelle or any of those other like sure. metaver- multiversal because it's all in the same thing, right? Yeah. So my if if I were to suggest if you if you didn't want to watch all of them because actually some of them are pretty bad. Um, yeah, I don't feel like watching a bad one. Sure, I would suggest Annabelle Creation is pretty oh, good. Does a doll talk? I mean, no. Okay. I can't do a um, talking doll. I'll never be able to do a doll the, only, the same way. <laughs> that's one of the only excellent ones. Um, if you wanted one that's kind of fun that has Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga actually in it, it's um, Annabelle that, Comes Home. I do want that. Annabelle Comes Home. 
they're they're just cameos at like the beginning and end, but uh, and they recast their daughter just for the movie. Um, oh, but uh, it's a fun one. It's not that great, but it's fun. It's just so funny because they're like, we're never going to do this again. And then they do it again. And then they're like, we'll just we'll just audit. Like, it's like you at your class. It's like, we're just auditing the spooky yeah. seance house. And they're very much involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you like foreign films? I mean, I do. But, um, yeah, I just have – like, I don't go seeking them out. But if someone if someone recommends one or if, like, it won a lot of awards, I love – I have no issue. Why? So one of my favorite horror movies – is called the orphanage it's in spanish it's oh by jesus we did Jay. we did an american one though too right uh i don't know if they remade it into american i might film. just be thinking of the orphan okay the orphan oh yeah orphan is totally different you could totally watch orphan and orphan first kill those that's are julia styles combo. right only the second one she's the beer for is in the first one mm. um she's great so those are two movies and uh peter skarsgård is in the first one sarsgård skarsgård love a skarsgård um is in the first one and then um, those are two good ones. And then have you ever watched any of the Flanagan TV shows like Hill House or Bly Manor? Absolutely not. They're spectacular pieces of art. That's what Joanna Robinson says. Um, Hill House? The Yeah, Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor and Midnight Mass. I have not watched uh, it. Yes, I heard of Midnight Mass, right, because you guys, the Talking Horror did a pod on that. Mm-hmm. Midnight Mass. And then what was the third one? Haunting at Hill House, Midnight Mass, and... Bly Manor. Bly Manor, okay. But I would watch it Hill House, Bly Manor, Midnight Mass. One, two, three. Did you ever watch the one with Daniel Radcliffe, like the lady in the black? Or oh, No, I've never seen the woman in black or woman in white or whatever That's it is. like the one I've seen of mm. like a weird newer movie. Um, uh, here's yeah, another I really one. appreciate it. Yeah. Here's another one that I love. And this has this came out two years ago and it's actually one of my favorite horror movies. It's in my top ten. Um, okay. It's His House. It's on Netflix. Okay. It's, it's about, a movie? Yes. It's about these two African refugees that come to England um, and they're placed in like um, housing and um, uh, everything kind of uh, goes wrong. But it's a spectacular movie that has a lot deeper meaning and it's it's wonderful. Oh, man. It's making me scared already. Um, yeah, no, it's just been it's a great time of year. But yeah, I think I'm in the, my prime of when I can watch this stuff. So sure. That's why I'm, I'm so glad get to get done. this. So speaking of, speaking should we of, talk about Werewolf by Night? We should talk about Werewolf by Night. Um, Werewolf by Night, directed by Michael Giacchino, the composer. Can you believe? I, I guess I can. I didn't yeah. realize it until like this week, like they were saying everything. Like I didn't, I, I for some reason didn't like look into that. But yeah, he did an excellent job. Did, what did you think of it? I loved it. Me too. I, it was like... It was perfect. It was just this little jewel, a literal bloodstone. It was like, I love old movies. Uh, I love old movies, love black and white movies. So it was such a good homage. It was a little creepy, like chiller thriller, old school, practical effects with the exception of the man thing. Right. Um, I liked that the wolf was practical and I love Laura Donnelly as you know from <laughs> the Outlander, but also the Nevers, which I did watch all of. Sure. Um, so yeah, I really, really liked it. It was, you know, I lo- my favorite part was when they at the beginning when they show like the Avengers and like the storytelling, and then they're like, "But this is where we are." Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was really cool. Yeah, 
Um, so I love that. What did you think? Uh, I love this. This is one of my favorite things that Marvel has done so far um, for m- many reasons. One, because like it was something totally different and we've just been like inundated with the same thing for like, you know, however many years it is now. Um, A billion. Yeah. And so that was really fun. Plus, I grew up on these movies in the from the 30s and 40s. Like, I grew up on all the Universal monster movies, from Wolfman and Creature from the Black Lagoon um, in the 50s to like to you know Dracula and Frankenstein yeah. and the Mummy and all that stuff. Um, I I love those characters and I love those movies. And this just like this was made for me. This like captured my heart in so many ways. Like you said, the practical effects on the werewolf. Um, that felt like a throwback to the Wolfman. Um, uh, you also had the incredible, incredible shot. My favorite, my favorite part of this is mm. when he's transforming, and it's just from her point of view, or it's from his point of view, like looking at her, and then yeah. you see um, the shadow of him transforming behind her. I, I just thought that that was just like spectacular. Everything that was all the quirky horror stuff that felt super campy from those type of movies, like it even was a throwback to like the campy '60s movies and stuff like that, and '70s. Yeah, you know, you had like the animatronic dead body, and you had all the like faces on the heads on the wall. Like, I just ate this up so 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 much. I I don't know very much about this part of Marvel comics, to be totally Mm -hmm. honest, but I am very familiar with these movies, these Universal movies, and. Man, this just knocked it out of the park for me. I want more special presentations from Marvel. I think that they have to take this away from this because I, I think it got really well received. Like we, it's nice to get something with no bigger, um, you know, implications in the MCU. It's just a one-off like comic. I, I mean, I would love to spend more time with Jack Russell and with Elsa, but if even if if not, like I love this themed uh you know genre these little things they're doing i mean they do the one shots which are really fun but this was yeah it was just it was really good and of course the technicolor element at the end was awesome yeah i really Um, liked i liked how only the red stone was in color throughout the whole thing and then once once the rightful person received the stone at the end it was like officially the owner like that color corrected everything um yeah. i really appreciated that um a, a lot it kind of reminded me the chase for like to find ted or the monster reminded me of like the triwizard tournament but also sure. um yeah because they didn't because it was black and white i guess they could do a little more gore because it was that's like, one of my notes yeah so i i was like cool i mean if this is how you get that done that's great because there it was definitely gory. Oh yeah, but not so spooky because it was just black and white. Yeah, the, I, my note is like, wow, they really took advantage of the black and white because this is by far the bloodiest and goriest thing in the MCU. By far, yeah, and there were beautiful shots done in the black and white. Obviously, the score for Michael Giacchino, incredible. Such a fan. Um, I think I don't know if this is his. This isn't. I don't think his directorial debut. I think he's done some other shorts maybe for Pixar or something, but, mm. and others, I'm, I'm not, I should have researched, but fa- I just thought it was fabulous. I don't know. I, I want more of these every, every Halloween, they should do a new one. Yeah. I'm, I'm like you said, I'm very much looking forward to Jack and Elsa in something else with man thing. 
Um, I, I really liked how they built their relationship. I felt like we got an origin story for the three of them, or at least the two of them. Um, even, but I also love getting an origin story that puts us in the middle of a situation, not in the origin story. And I feel exactly. like we don't, I don't care how we got bitten or, or how, you know, that doesn't, right. I just like getting to know these characters. Um, we obviously loved the fact that man thing was Ted. Um, that's <laughs> the name of our dog. If you don't know. And we enjoyed that. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, my favorite thing about this entire special presentation was. What? The flaming tuba. The flaming tuba. That was just wild. I loved watching wild. the flaming tuba. But yeah, I was at Doug Jones. I don't know. I can look it up. Yeah, look. I think that was Doug, Doug Jones, but I think he was dubbed over voice wise. Um, um, but I really yeah, loved I, this. I loved the the tomb scene when they're in the the. No, I don't think it was Doug Jones. Well, there's only a few people listed. Oh, interesting. But I don't see Doug Jones credited. Oh, okay. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, maybe it was. But uh, yeah, I love that tomb scene. Uh, with when you're talking about when they're trapped and she's like, yes. oh, my great aunt or whatever it was probably kept the key in there. Yes. Yeah. No, not Doug Jones. Well, he's not. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his credits now. Yeah, not him. He's okay. though in a lot of things, but yes. For sure. Um, yeah, I just thought it was great. Uh, perfect little jewel. I'll probably put it on again. Just. To be in the mood. If you're having a Halloween party, just like have it on. Oh, that's a good background um, for the Halloween. And it, yeah, put that on and then throw on a ghoul log. Exactly. Right, they're doing ghoul logs now. Yeah, Shudder just released their ghoul log as well. I love a log. I love a TV log. <laughs> um, all right, should we talk about Andor? Yeah, let's just jump right into Andor. Um... Well, how would you rate? How many full moons would you rate uh, Werewolf by Night? I feel like it was a ten. I mean, yeah. it was innovative and new and successful, emotional. I love um, uh, Gail Garcia Bernal. I love him. Oh um, man, especially the so I good. Mean, the double feature with him and Diego Luna, who like I love the two of them, especially when they <sighs> act together. Um, so is my cool. absolute favorite, and uh, and I just I watched both of these today, so I got like a nice little double dose of both of them. Oh, you had just seen Werewolf today? Oh. I, I literally watched Werewolf by Night just before we started recording. Incredible, uh, andor I watched today as well, but it is mm. Wednesday. Yes. Um, what? How many full moons for you? Oh, ten out of ten. This was knocked out of the park, and because this was so good, not only from the fact that like I just love this kind of content, but also like. I really hope they take their own note and be like, this was very successful. We don't need to do a 10 episode origin story for blah, blah, blah. We could just introduce them in an hour, hour and a half, like special presentation. Um, and then pop them into an MCU movie as a side character or something like that. Yeah. I think it also spreads the message that like, we just want to see something good. You don't need to bog it down. We, I think practical effects win. I know that they don't have the budget for that or the time necessarily, but we don't need a big CGI fest. I mean, obviously Man-Thing was CGI, but, but that was probably the weakest of all of it. Yeah, but the combination of the two things, like the practical and the... Um, it helped it was in black and white, but yes. Yes, right. that's true. The combo was was fine. Yeah, but that's also why the Lord of the Rings stuff works. The Like even the older stuff, 
um, older being, you know, the the the, the uh, original trilogy from the um, you know early two thousands. Um, but uh, the reason I say that is because like half of that is CGI that sometimes doesn't hold up, sometimes does. But mix that with the practical effects and the the sets, and like you have something that's way more digestible in some ways. Absolutely. Um, you know, you need good actors to do it, and yeah, you just don't need. You just need a really clear vision. And, like, a good director, you know, it just doesn't need to be, I don't know. I can't do Kevin Feige's job. I'm not going to pretend like I can. No. But I just think that I'm glad that they'll see that this worked because this defies we need cameos and we need mm-hmm. everything to mean something and we need lots of monster fights. Like, this didn't really have that. And this knew and it exactly what so- it was. It just knew yeah. exactly what it was and leaned into it and went to it. And that's that. that's a success for sure. And it definitely oh. used the Black Widow fight choreographer. I forget what her name is because they did the Black Widow like jump <laughs> yeah, leg jump grab. Swings. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Her signature. All right. Let's move on to Diego Luna in Andor. Uh, yes. Today we got the newest episode, episode six of Andor. Um, and we finally are at the heist. A lot of build up towards it. And we are at the heist. Um, Joanna, what did you think of this heist filled episode? Also, can we say that the episode was titled The Eye and so was the Lord of the Rings episode this week? Oh, was it? They were both called The Eye. Oh, interesting. Um, This, (sighs) we're just really lucky. This is like, I consider myself very lucky to have Star Wars content that is this good right now. Sure. It's, it was really strong, this episode. Um. I'll speak generally. I just, there were twists I didn't see coming. I kept forgetting it was Star Wars. I always forget this is Star Wars. Like mm. maybe three times an episode. I'm like, oh, this is Star Wars. And Wait, what do you like three times an episode? Oh, wait, this is Star Wars. <laughs> and we got a CGI big, you know, set piece, I guess you'd call it, element this week. But like it was so earned mm. and also beautiful. Gorgeous. Yes, I loved this episode. Yeah. What about you? Um, I loved this episode. Uh, I've been ready for the heist for a couple of episodes now, but I'm glad that we had all those episodes building up to this because I I also, like you, did not expect certain things that happened in this episode to happen in this episode, and we'll get to those um, pieces uh, in a bit. Um, But overall, I, I, I definitely enjoyed this. I think the acting is obviously excellent. I think that how they're portraying the empire is um very interesting i think that diego luna is knocking it out of the park everybody is really knocking out of the park or if we're going to be completely honest um it was gorgeous to look at i mean so the suspense built in me like crazy i was biting my nails my palms were sweaty yeah i don't think i took a breath i think at the end it's like stellan sarsgaard in the in the subtitle says deep breath or exhales and I'm like I did that too. Me too. And we'll talk about um how this episode ended versus how um and if you listen to our uh House of the Hot D House of the Dragon episode like there's a lot of um ends with breathing things. Oh god. Um but uh, I definitely I I love this. But you said something that I want to ask back to you. You said that sometimes it doesn't even feel like Star Wars. Um 
and you you said that, and then you said that isn't it nice that we have a good Star Wars? Like like we live in a time with good Star Wars, and I wanna I wanna agree with you, but also up the ante um, with the second one. I wanna say yeah, we live in a world with good Star Wars, but what I'm more interested in personally, this is for me only, is that I like that we're getting different Star Wars. You know, like this is like. this is even more different than rogue one because this is this is better for me than rogue one already yeah um it's just different it's not the cameo stuff it's not the like big campy stuff like this is like serious business with serious conversations and i for right now i'm i couldn't do this all the time but i'm digging it for right now for sure but what i'm gonna throw back at you is is it a good thing or a bad thing that we forget this is star wars sometimes um well, first of all, I don't know if we do. I certainly sometimes do, and I guess maybe you do too. No, I, feel I do. Like that's why I, that's do. why I brought it up because I do. I do. I do. think I think there's enough. Uh, I don't know. I think I have to see the full project first um, to see how much they embrace. They're obviously embracing real Star Wars. We've seen, you know, Coruscant and my Mothma, and we saw the Tie Fighters. You know, it's definitely there. It's just. Yeah, I'll have to see big picture, um, but I think it's a good thing because it makes you. I, I just feel like it makes a casual viewer feel more welcome, and then it maybe would rope in a, some new fans, which we can always use some new blood in our in the fandom. <laughs> sure. um, and yeah, I just think it just shows that you don't need a lot of bells and whistles necessarily to make a Star Wars story. Sure, but I think it also shows. Just film on location, people. I know. Because it just makes a difference. It really does. It really, 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 really does. And I, uh, so I guess my answer is sort of, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I do have to see the entire project, I think, to make a choice. I mean, would I, would this earn, like, if the thing is, if there is a cameo in the show, and I don't think that there will be, and I'm fine if there isn't. And I don't really know, other than maybe Vader, like what what we'd see or who we'd see. If it happens, will I probably pee myself? Yes, because it's going to be so – I just already know it would be really earned and it would be really – like it would look really good, you know, in the context of the world that they've built. I bet I would lose my mind. I don't need it at all, but I I just think that – this is the type of show where if a cameo comes, I'll lose my mind. Yeah. Because I won't uh, expect it. Yeah, and even more than cameo, I do expect us to see some Rebel characters in some ways. Not from Rebels, but like, uh, you know, like, I, I, like I don't Saga remember. Era. Yeah, we're, we know we're getting Saw, um, but like K2SO, like Alan Tudyk doing the voice of k I'm sure at some point once we get closer to the, the, the puzzle piece that connects that is you know, the Rogue One stuff, you know, maybe we get some Jin or so, like, and and just, like, leading up to him meeting her, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Who knows? I, I'm making that stuff up, but th- that's less cameo because that's more, like, truly a part of the plot. Yeah, but familiar faces or voices from this world that will, like, tie us back to it and, and all over again. The cool thing about this episode was you talked about the Empire earlier. It really depicts both on both sides for the first time in a while. Honestly, Saw is the only character that I've really felt this 
in a Star Wars uh, project before is that you really just get good and bad and honorable and dishonorable on both sides. Sure. Um, when in the final fight in this episode where you have the Empire, well, like, lieutenant or I don't know what his position was, but he comes down because he overhears what's going on and he's like, what's going on? This doesn't feel right. And then he's, like, trying to talk to the authority to be like, is this, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Oh, the, um, You feel bad for him. Yeah, absolutely. Be- and Because he's just trying to do his job and he's also trying to respect the authority and do what they're telling him and then he, he dies. So, you know, you feel bad for people like that. You and then, of course, we have the, a major twist on the rebellion side, which just goes to show that even though you're in the rebellion, does not mean that you're not crazy. Um, not that he's crazy, but like Saw gets a little crazy. Spoiler. Um, so yeah, just it's if you have you have um, uh, intense levels to each side. That go not evangelical is the wrong word, but what's the word I'm thinking of? Like Saw goes full blown, uh, like a heretic almost sure. on the rebellion side, and then there's mm-hmm. those versions, of course, on the Empire as well. So, just rounds it out. It's not black and white. Yeah, and with and even in this one with the the horrible horrible Empire Imperial um guy, I don't remember his name, um, but you have him and his family. And, like, you feel bad the way he talks to his son and his uh, wife. Like, you feel terrible for them, but, you know, that they, that this is the life that, that they're living. But you don't feel, you know, you, 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 you do feel a little bit sorry that they're being, you know, taken as collateral, kidnapped, um, hostage. Mm. Um, you, but he's a monster, so, like, you got to do what you got to do. But it definitely made you feel feelings in terms of, like, what what's happening and what they're doing and i think that's why the manifesto is so important and that's why you have the conversation with um um between clem andor and of course um nemec uh before they do everything where he's talking about like him not being able to sleep and the manifesto like i care about this why why can't i sleep and you don't care about this why can you sleep like that whole the piece was yeah. It's fascinating with his manifesto and what he's talking about. And then the the idea that like the empire would care enough to change and change their tactics and stuff like that. I, I thought all that was fascinating and, and real fun yeah. to watch. And they make you, you know, the empire. Yeah. The leader. It's like, it's not Jason. It's like spelled funny. It's like J something. Um, he definitely, they make you not like him because he's calling, you know, the Dahani, uh stuff like ceremonial nonsense and to get above the stench like he's yeah. really bigoted and prejudice um so that helps me you know but yeah i feel a bit, i still feel bad for his wife and his child for sure also is that the same child from house of the dragon who I goes to rhaenyra's and i think it might be um who goes to like her the bachelorette um yeah it was it was a great episode. So first, it's basically the the plan goes and it goes pretty much right into it mm-hmm. to what their plan is. So really cool that we get to see Vel and Cinta swim there. 
That was we cool. couldn't figure out what they were doing, and that was finally answered. Between Obi-Wan and, like, episode one as well, like, we've gotten some nice underwater Star Wars stuff. Yes. And it also reminds me of Harry Potter. Um, the Triwizard Tournament. But anyway, uh, yeah, and, and really sad that I guess the plan is that she doesn't ever get to come along. I mean, I'm pres- one of the saddest parts was we know Gorn and her are left behind intentionally, I think. But well, I don't Gorn, know. I mean, Gorn got shot. He did? Yeah, when he's talking to the guy and they start shooting, Gorn gets hit. Oh, okay. I think I missed that. Mm. I mean, I don't know what that means necessarily, but right, I mean, right. it was enough that he would, they were like, you'll hang for this. And he's like, I should do worse having served under you for seven years, yeah. which is like great sick line. burn, man. Great line. Um, I, and I feel like he's resigned to that. Cinta, I mean, I know we now learn that the stormtroopers, one of which is Tam as Terraman, um, was a stormtrooper, very cool, um, that her family was basically executed by the stormtroopers. She probably has resigned to doing whatever for the cause as well, but, you know, it's just, it's a bummer. Because I'm sure there's a way that she could get out, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, So what did you think about doing everything simultaneous with the eye ceremony? I mean, it the was Donnies. the tension was great between like them celebrating and praying and like this undercover of this. It was also beautiful. The juxtaposition of like this, like fight, this dog fight within the, um, the vault uh, and like these beautiful colors outside. And then, you know, escaping through it, I thought was an awesome set piece. Um, it was really, really beautiful to look at and it cut the tension and added to the tension at the same time. Um, I thought all that was, was really Really well done. And that's what felt Star Warsy about it, if anything. Definitely. Uh his name is J Hold. It was in my notes somewhere. Thank Why you. would we I mean J Hold, what the hell name is that? Um yeah, that was that was really cool for me as well. I mean, the eye itself was awesome. I didn't really yeah. know what to expect. And it sure. was like so, so cool. Um, there was a period in the middle of the episode where when they capture when they're they're in and the door's shut and they're sort of revealing themselves i was like oh this isn't gonna work because jayhold keeps saying i can't unlock that vault for you even if we get there and he didn't look like he was lying and i don't think he even was lying but did we know that they had an override plan for that because then vel goes stop lying and i'm like i don't think he's lying guys i think he really can't even open it did you even think about the fact that he wouldn't have like the code and then but then they got it fine so was, did that did that bump you at all or is that just me? No, I just thought he was doing a good job of lying. Maybe he didn't have the full like understanding of it, but like they, it seemed like they knew the rebels knew what what their plan was in general, but I don't think he was mm. totally lying. Well, in in any event, it does work, which is pretty shocking. Also, just like Skeen just getting them all the the like officers to help and they were going so fast to get all these credits out and i was like man they really got them they're really like worker bees Mm -hmm. like they're really if i were them i'd be like kind of going slow of course i guess they'd like shoot you but they really need your help Mm -hmm. and then i felt man they're really going fast considering that like their earnings are being stolen (laughs) their paycheck they didn't they didn't get through much of it that's true what what did they what did they want 130 and they got 80 is that I feel like I, don't I remember a hundred some being talked about. Um, yeah, I don't remember. But they got a lot. Um, 
So yeah, that was the only thing that bumped me, which I was like, wait, this could go awry, which honestly just added to the tension for me. And then it was fine. So it was great. Um, then yes. Okay. So then we're on the ship and something horrible and yet poetic about Nemec getting just smushed by their loot mm -hmm. and not that he deserves it whatsoever, but that was just so sad because they got out mm -hmm. and this is like logistical fluke and just the sheer magnitude of what they stole being his downfall. It was like really sad. Yeah. And he still got to, but he still held on long enough to like be the navigator. Yeah. Which I, to some extent I'm like, could, could we have had a backup navigator? Um, <laughs> I kind of forgot it was all on his shoulders. Um, so then they decide, of course, Diego Luna just is a good guy. So they go to the doctor. So do we think this is like, this is Maz's, uh, species? species? I don't know. Or, Maybe. Yeah. But very similar. Yeah. Um, um, and, and then, then a twist. <laughs> yeah. And then the twist is that Skeen, uh, basically propositions, uh, Andor to basically split the money with him and, and get the hell out of Dodge. And, uh, it's pretty intense. And, um, uh, uh, he kills him. He kills Skeen. And, uh, I was not expecting him to do it so quickly, to be totally honest. Um, in, and then, uh, and then Nemec dies, uh, on the table. And, um, basically Andor now approaches Val or Vel, excuse me, and basically says, like, I'm going to take my portion of the money, give these, this Kyber back to um, uh, Luthen, and, uh, you know, and then we're all square. And I'm wondering, like, did, did that sequence of him going in feel a little bit out of character or no? No, it didn't. If anything, I was like, could you do a better job of explaining what happened so Vel... <laughs> knows like that you did a good thing i think she does because she continues to talk to him and she's like take the manifesto like he wanted you to have it and, and he doesn't ask for anything additional he's just like i'm gonna take what i was told and i'm gonna leave and i'm not even gonna take your freighter i'm gonna take this other one mm -hmm. but like i did kill him but he like that was gonna be bad so bye i guess um if anything i was just like you should try to like just have a little more bedside manner when you're talking about what happened yes. just to make them not be just not, not make her like, did you just do a murder? Like, did I, did I witness a murder? Um, going back to the actual scene with Ebon, um, Moss Bacharach, um, the, yeah, that gave me chills. Not only because he just decided, cause he made a nice choice by getting, um, the uh, Nazik, Nazik to the doctor. Nemec. Nemec, get to the doctor. So that's great. And I, I feel like that, obviously, he wouldn't have known that was going to happen. But it mm -hmm. did, and it was in the plans. So that worked. And then he's sitting, and he's like, we could just leave. And then I think, all right, well, who among us? You know, you're looking at this incredible amount of credit here. There's only now three of you. Um, I mean, I guess he assumes that Nemec doesn't make it out. So there's three of you. And maybe you got to give something to Luthen, too. So, you know, we could just go. But then when he finds out that he didn't even have the brother, that's when I was like, uh-uh, no, this, no. You, and, and that's when I liked that he killed him. 
Mm-hmm. And I wasn't that surprised. I was just glad. And it was very much a Greedo, Han, and also Cassian in Rogue One moment. The beginning of this show and Rogue One mm-hmm. moment. So very in character. But yeah, there was no way out of this because this guy was not... I don't think he would have... After he voiced this, he wasn't going to give it up without a fight. Yeah, because at that point... And you show your deception, and it's just like, wow. Yeah. So at that point, Skeen is asking him to do this nefarious thing. So if he says, yes, they do it, fine. But also, Andor doesn't want to do that, because I think that he's starting to believe in the cause, especially because of Nemec. Um, Not believe in the cause, but like empathizes with the cause, at least right now. And then on top of that... If he says no to Skeen, then Skeen's going to kill him because he outed himself. You know what I mean? Exactly. He also doesn't trust Skeen because of what happened in the previous episode, as well as what's happening in this episode and and, lying about the brother. So then he's like, well, if I can't trust this jabroni, like I don't feel like trusting anybody else right now. So I'm going to bust in there. I'm just going to take what's owed to me. I'm not going to leave them alone. But I just like need to watch my back because like I don't know what ulterior motive Vel might have. Um, right. And this plays into the Cassian that we see in Rogue One. Not very trusting. He has K2SO and that's pretty much it. He, you know, he's he's listening to the whoever, you know, the head of the rebellion that he's talking to back at the fort or whatever. But he's he's on his own and he doesn't trust a lot of people. So this is this is on character for him, so I liked that as well. Um, but yeah, if you don't trust your mates in this way, like you have nothing. So it definitely felt uh, like an inevitability, a very fast inevitability, and I was yeah. glad he did it. I also um, I am very surprised that almost everybody died. I did not expect that for some reason. I know I expected it to be more cliche, which is like. Go, I'll be fine. Like a Tala yeah, um, mm-hmm. for Obi-Wan moment. I expected a lot of self-sacrificing, which just by being there, it was self-sacrifice. So that's, yeah. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. Sure. But I still thought it was going to be more of the tropes. And it wasn't. It was something different. It was, an, it was just things that accidentally happened. And then this horrible tragedy on the ship when they're actually already going that like no one saw coming. Mm -hmm. And then the twist. I, I, yeah, I really, I really dug it. It was not, I did not expect pretty much anything. I didn't know what I was like, is this going to work? I thought it would work. We know Cassian lives obviously, but Stellan was, Luthan was so worried that this was kind of like half thought out and, Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a lot of things could have gone wrong. And they didn't count on at first when all the the pilgrims, as they called them, the Donnie people were coming up um, to watch the eye. I was like, oh, no, is this the one night because they get to go up there? Is this the night they've decided that they're going to revolt? That's what I thought, too. Really? Yes. When they when especially when they threw the um, gift into the fire. Yes. Also, the leader of the Donnie looked a lot like Brian Cranston. <laughs> yes, he did. He really did. Um, yeah, I, I was getting that. I was like, oh no, come on, guys. I just can someone just let them in on on the plan so that they just don't get in the way? Mm-hmm. But luckily that wasn't what they were trying to do. Um, and then very last yeah. thoughts is that we got to see the Senate. 
uh, in all of its glory with Mon Mothma, and which was awesome. And then, of course, we see Luthen breathe an immense sigh of relief mm-hmm. along with all of us. So I have two questions for you. One, are we to assume that this is the first big, like, rebel hit that reverberates and, like, this is what actually kind of starts the rebellion? Because they did use the word rebels, like, the rebels have hit, you know what I mean? So, like, obviously, like, there's established that there is some sort of rebellion amongst um, the people. Um, So that's the first thing I have a question for you is. And the second thing is, who's... Who's in the middle of the Senate? We didn't see it. I want to know who's in the middle, like who's the if chancellor. it's just like a white-faced, yellow-eyed palpy, just with the hood on, or or is it like somebody taking his place while he's off doing nefarious things? You know what I mean? He inst- installs someone in there. I don't know. So one, I don't know, and I wonder if we'll find out. Two, uh, well, that's two. One, back to Mon Mothma and the Rebels. So I sent you a text after we recorded last week because I was watching Rebels and I found the episode where Mon Mothma finally speaks aloud. Palpatine is the cause of all of this and he's up to no good and he in like calls him out in the Senate and then he, she has to like flee and go underground and then for there and there she will stay until a new hope and where forever that we see her. Well, we so, only see her in return of the Jedi return of the Jedi. Sorry. Um, so, and we know, and then when we, we see her in rogue one and she, that that's where she'll right. be. So at that point, she says that there are, this is the first that the ghost team is here, that the ghost crew is hearing that there are other rebel cells across the galaxy and then that's the episode that ends with she makes out this big call and then all the ships come in out of light speed and then she goes, this, this is the rebellion. Mm. And that's after this. So my guess is that no, there have not been huge heists. I'm also guessing that since this was the money, this will help what like this seems like the first one to mm. come. Okay. I, I, it's probably not the first one, but I'm guessing that that's part of the fun is seeing this build. So I'm okay. gonna, I'm going to just go ahead in my head cannon and decide that there have been little things. They've obviously have this incredible like ruse with with Luthen and what he does. Like this has been in the works for a while and all these people and their parts that they play. So I think there's been stuff that's definitely happened. Ships go missing cuz they were talking about that in the whatever intelligence agency. Right, thing. sure, sure, fair. But a big thing like this, yeah, I'm guessing not because it makes the news and everyone's like, watermelon, watermelon, rutabaga, rutabaga, yeah, um, into each other's ears. Elephant. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm guessing this is a big, a big get. Yes. A big, a big day for extras in the Senate chamber. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very big day. Great episode. Yeah. I guess next, next week I'll just expect like some boring falling action well, but, so, but here's, hopefully it'll be good but here's the question so it was told to us at some point that these were going to be structured similar to like clone wars and that like every like three to four episodes is like a mini arc within the larger arc so yeah. i'm wondering where this was episode six and there are 12 so i'm wondering if like seven eight and nine is one and then 10 11 12 is another one because the heist That's kind true. of ended this segment and i'm wondering if the next three are like what andor does next or like how you know is he brought in for another heist or something like 
I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I imagine there being two more like mini segments that like tie in the whole thing is my guess. I think you're probably right. And if they need, if they have an uneven number and they need to do like a dog pile episode, I feel like it'll be her, him returning and like giving Bix some closure. Cause don't forget about old Bix back at home and like mm, what's going Fiona on there. Shaw. Fiona Shaw. And then we also need to, to see what's up with Kyle Soler's character too. And like yeah. how that's going to work. So there might be just like a character driven episode. I'm sure. wondering. Um, but again i think it's what three seasons and they know exactly where they're ending and there's a ways to go so i am curious like will this be heist after heist or will this be like i mean i don't know what else it could be so not like an adventure of the week the way mandalorian is it'll be slower than that but you know how many heists are we doing or is that the whole the whole premise i don't know he's looking for his sister too that's true it's only two seasons but apparently season two is going to be split into two parts and there will be a time jump, I think. Um, okay, well, we can assume that season two, at least the back half, is just going to be, like, right before Rogue. Yeah. So I guess there is time, then, to do some more heists. You know, we know that Saul will show up at some point, so maybe they'll find the another rebel cell, but or a bigger rebel cell. I'll be curious, and I'll be curious if they try to do a live-action version of what happens in Rebels with Mon Mothma, because that was a really cool episode, and it would be really neat to see that in live-action. Yeah, my... My uh, my guess would be that this show, Star Wars doesn't really like refilm stuff in live action. Like we'll see it from different perspectives. Right. So I'm wondering if like we won't see that, but it'll be told to us because it happened somewhere else if we get to that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're, you're probably right. It would be, yeah, it would be a loose interpretation of from another point of view. Yeah. Point oh, of view. apparently, spoiler alerts here. Apparently the time jump is gonna happen in season one. Oh my what yeah so apparently season one will span one entire year while season two will cover the remaining four years in three episode arcs oh wow interesting oh i don't know what to make of that then yeah so like wow. we may get to the next episode and we're like six months later like all yeah mon mothma's already gone and her family is dead yeah like that may very well be the case i don't know yeah we'll see all right cool well nerds the empire doesn't play by the rules but we hope you had as much fun as we did and we hope you'll join us next time as we discuss the season finale of She-Hulk. As a small universe and a multiverse of other nerd verses, the subscriptions, follows, and reviews are super important for us to grow. So be sure you're subscribed to the Nerdverse with Joanna and Brian on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow along on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at the Nerdverse Pod. We thank you so much for listening and following along. Please keep telling all your nerdy friends about us. And remember, good luck. I'll be rotting for you. Just a little graveyard humor. (laughs) 